just a quick thought and put a cap on last night's game. 4-0 the final, 49-15 the shots on goal. I, I was joking in the first half hour of the show that I feel like I need a little button I can press that just automatically says, but it's only the preseason. Uh, having said that, uh, winning always beats the alternative. Uh, what would you think of last night's game? Yeah, well, whenever... Whenever you have these young guys that are, uh, you know, trying to show well and trying to get some uh, traction in the league and get noticed uh, by our group, and uh, we just looked at how hard they played, and uh, we were real impressed with our group. I mean, uh, I think most of you guys saw Evan Bouchard was a was a real good player last night, and um, just I thought from every guy, we, we won a lot of battles. A lot of guys showed well, and, uh, you know, we played against a pretty good team in Calgary. All right, and back at it tomorrow against the Seattle Kraken. I was just speculating on the lineup that probably some of the uh, more veteran players coming in, but we'll find out for sure at the morning skate. Glenn, I, I wanted to have you on to talk a little bit about the power play because I asked Nugent Hopkins and Nurse some questions today. Uh, I made, uh, and you probably hate this when you hear media guys <laughs> making predictions, but I made the prediction before last season that you guys would get to 30% after being 29 and a half. You were, you were darn close. You still got in, in the high 20s, and, and I think you can hope to be up there again. First of all, tell me about the addition of Zach Hyman because we've seen when you have had time to practice the power play so far, he jumps right into that net front spot that was kind of chase on Neil primarily last year. Yeah, that's exactly where he, he's going to jump in for us. And, uh, you know, just that power play, it has some chemistry or, or you know, with the right shot and in front of the net. It just kind of works with our flow. And, uh, so Zach will, Zach will jump in there. You're also going to see Jesse Coy Harvey jump in there as well too. They're going to they're going to kind of go at it a little bit like James Neal, like Neeler and, and Chaser did uh, for the last couple of years. So you're going to see a little mix of that. And, and I think you're, you know, I I can say this with with some certainty that you're you're probably going to see a little bit more of a second unit this year at times. And uh, you know that that's by design. Uh, you know, talking with our top guys, we want to. We want to make sure that we're we're putting everything, uh, spreading everything out a little bit, and getting guys lots of touches on the puck. Okay, well, I, I I'm glad you brought that up because I think that uh, uh, I I would not be able to name the second unit for the past few seasons because the first unit often scored, or just didn't come off the ice. Um, when you say a second unit, dare I ask, will that be a five-man second unit or will that be a three-man second unit with 97 and 29 staying on the ice? No, you know, it, it, it'll be a five-man unit that we'll use at times, but you're certainly going to see, um, you know, get into that minute 15, minute and a half mark of our, of our top unit being out there. But, um, you know, just at different times of the game, obviously the score clock's going to dictate what we do a little bit. But at, at the end of the day, we, we, we feel that moving forward as a group, as, as 20 guys, that we're going to be better if, you know, there's some other players uh, on this team that are counted on to produce. And sometimes when you don't get those touches in, in, in prime offensive positions, you can squeeze a little bit through the rest of the year. So um, we want to make sure that we're getting everybody some touches. Uh, we will keep, you know, obviously the, those top guys uh, will, will be out there still for their minute, 15, minute and a half. And, but, but we're going to see a second unit from time to time, and we're going to see a little bit of a blend unit as well. Okay. So, you know, Tyson Berry obviously was uh, exceptional last year on the power play. Darnell Nurse played about a third of the time. And, and you mentioned Evan Bouchard as well. And everything from Dave Tippett to Ken Holland to, to Leon Dreisaitl talking about him a couple of days ago, everything about Evan Bouchard is positive. Everything is you know, I think fairly high expectations. 
Tell me about using him on the power play and what dimension, you know, he might add. I don't know if it's necessarily different than what Barry and Nurse have, but just how his dimension will fit in back there on the point. Yeah, well, he's certainly going to be in on the second unit. And I think whenever you're bringing a young guy in that, that wants to be a, a, a full-time player and is going to be a full-time player in this league, you, you, you don't jam him into a power play that's around, you know, 29% and, and, and say, okay, because it's too easy if uh, you go drive for, for, for 10, which, which can normally happen in a season that you're, you're pointing fingers. So you, you, you want to break him in, he's, uh, you know, a little gently. He has certainly has some attributes. He's really got a shot that he can he can score from distance. Uh, he's got great vision, great poise with the puck. Um, he's a right shot like Tyson. And one of the reasons that we use Doc is, um, uh, you know, Darnell on, on that unit is just because it gives it gives the power play a different flow and a different look when you use a lefty up top. So, um, for for the sake of not being too predictable every night, it's nice to put a lefty up there. It, it flows differently than a righty. It gives you some different options and. Uh, um, but we're certainly going to use Bush from time to time, and he's certainly going to be on that on that second unit. All right, Glenn Gulletson joining us tonight on Inside Sport, assistant coach for your Edmonton Oilers, looks after the power play unit, and that's the focus of our conversation tonight. Uh, as I mentioned, the Oilers' power play exceptional the last two seasons, 29.5% and 27.6%. Yamamoto as well, who was incredible in in 1920 he needed one more point he would have been a point a game you know he's he's talked about last year that uh, he wasn't able to get the finish and he worked on his shot over the summer D- does he i mean he's not a big guy and i know he's well probably you guys as well are sick of hearing that um, does he go to the front of the net or is he one of the outside guys as you see him no, you know, we'll, we'll use YAML primarily uh, in, in the middle of the box, so uh, in, in the middle of the uh, the umbrella. So he'll, he'll stay in the middle. And one thing YAML does really well is he, he hunts loose pucks really well and he can get on things quickly, right, that, that quick little two, three-meter speed. So, um, you know, usually the guy in the middle out of the umbrella, we you know, we use Leon there quite a bit. And... Um, there's there's a lot of high IQ that goes into that position. Some guys think it's just a bumper position, but you can see the points that Leon's put up o- over the past couple seasons there. And uh, Yamo's got that hockey IQ. He's quick on pucks. He can retrieve things. He's good at reading plays and where it's going to go. So that that's where he'll be primarily. But five on three, we may use Yamo like we did last year, uh, a little bit on the goal line and uh, in front of the net. Okay. You know, I I host the overtime open line show after all your games with Rob Brown, who through the course of his career in junior in the NHL got to play on the power play and and had some pretty good coaches uh, guiding him on the power play. And and he often says the power play doesn't really start until the team with the power play takes a shot because then you get a rebound, a bounce, even if the shot is blocked, now the penalty killers have to start turning their backs and moving their feet to find the puck, and that can create a little bit of chaos. But you guys also have a a power play with exceptional passers, and sometimes they don't fire away till till they really have the, the the great angle to shoot. How do you sort of balance those two mentalities? Well, what we've done here over the last few seasons is, is exactly what what Brownie is saying there. It, it 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 holds true. What's changed here, even in my time in the last eleven years in this league, is that. Um, you know everything used to work from you got to establish the point shot to, and, and that's the way it was for a while but our power play works on a little different premise um the point shot certainly helps us tyson helped us a lot last year 
with some of his looks and the, and the shots from the point. But um, we aren't afraid to, sh- to shoot from the flanks. So um, when you've got players like we do, um, we don't want to run our power play and, and, and no disrespect to any defenseman out there. We're not going to run it when you've got Connor and Leon and Nuge up front. We're not going to run it from the back. We're, we're going to run it from the flanks. So that's really the, the one change that we made. And, and when, we, when we talk about running it from the flanks and the sides, we're, we're prepared to shoot from there. We want to create motion from there. And uh, with those shots coming from the top end, the flanks, what happens is exactly what Brownie's saying to you. It, it creates road hockey conditions, makes the other team turn, scramble, try to force you. And then when you've got elite players, they're going to make plays. If they can retrieve the puck and get into a little road hockey game, they're going to make some creative little plays. And So that, that's really the gist of, of our power plays. We want to create motion up top um, and, uh, with a, and get our puck into our dynamic player's hands, shoot it, and then retrieve it and, and, and make some plays. I'm sure every team that plays the Oilers is saying, A, don't take penalties, and then B, is pouring over video of your power play to try to figure it out. So, I mean, this is almost something I I would ask a football coach, like about you're good at running the ball. How often, though, do you still have to pass it? Do you coach wrinkles into the power play? Because now teams are trying to figure out ways to take away your tendencies and your strengths. What's that cat and mouse like? Yeah, you know, you know, um, one of the things that that we've done here is, and 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 I'll, I'll be honest with you, you know, the penalty kill is a little bit, the penalty kill itself is a little bit like math. It's very structured. You have to be in certain spots. You have to work together. You know, one of the things we talk about here is the the power play is a little bit like art. You got to let these guys be be artists. And um, so we just kind of give them the framework uh, of what we want to do, but when you're dealing with those pre-scouts all the time we don't want to be predictable we don't so we think we can eliminate some predictability by being in motion and that's the one thing we do we allow these guys to freelance we 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 give them a a structure um that's based on motion and then we let them freelance from there and and when you have these type of gifted players you you want that so that you're not predictable and then other teams can prepare for you so well so you know basically at the end of the day it's a little bit of a theory here that we've used for the last three years is that we want to create that motion which creates some uh less predictability and allows our players to be creative yeah well, it's uh, it's been a joy to watch for the last few seasons, and again, I'm optimistic it's going to be uh, really good again. J- just a final thought on the week ahead here, Glenn. Well, I guess the week we're in the middle of, five games in seven days, that really doesn't happen in the regular season. you got a bunch of players to uh, to draw from here to, to get them into the lineup. Will you guys, do you sort of have a projected lineup looking all the way ahead to Saturday's game in terms of how you want to manage some of these players or, or how far, far ahead do you sort of try to plan who's going to play in each preseason game? Yeah. T- Tip does a lot of that. And we, we have mock lineups right through, um, basically right through to the end. And obviously there's little tweaks depending on how some of the young guys play. Um, you know, Tip has conversations with, uh, and you know, he's got lots of experience. He has conversations with, you know, your top guys, your regulars, how many games they want, how many, um, you know, games they need to, to be ready for the, for the first game. So we have that all uh, mapped out in pencil right till the end of these five, especially this five and seven. And obviously with injuries and certain things, there, there's some changes. But uh, yeah, it, it's pretty cast in stone. Um, like this morning, we had a few changes just because we had some guys that, that showed very well in Calgary and they're going to get another game. So um, we have some room for flexibility, but this stuff is, is pretty mapped out. 
All right. Well, Glenn, I really appreciate you hopping on. Uh, I know you guys have tons to do this week, but I really appreciate the insight into the power play. It's, it's fascinating to talk about. We'll see you at the rink, and all the best tomorrow night. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me, Reid. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.